Hey y'all, welcome back to Anything Goes with Allie Christie. And first of all, I just want to thank you so much for all the love from episode one, highs and lows. I really didn't expect it to grow so quickly. Y'all are just so inspiring to me and I hope some of these podcasts can positively impact each of you in any way that they can because, oh my goodness, I know each of you have already impacted me so much and I'm so grateful. So anyways, let's get to it. So in this episode, I've decided that if I'm really going to get into these podcasts, it's really important that each of you kind of know where I'm coming from. So today, I really just wanted to highlight my diagnosis story, and later this week, I will release another podcast that's a little more styled like the first episode. So before I officially start, I just wanted to address what exactly type 1 diabetes is. And if y'all are familiar, please feel free to skip ahead. But type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disease, and no one really knows what causes it. It's for sure, though, not caused by poor diet or not having enough exercise or anything along those lines. Unlike a lot of forms of type 2 diabetes where the pancreas may still have some activity, with type 1, the pancreas is completely inactive and can no longer function. And as a result, our pancreas doesn't produce insulin, so we need insulin. It's our lifeline, but unfortunately not a cure. And insulin, which is what your pancreas produces, turns sugar into energy. And without having your conversion of that insulin, sugar to energy, your body can't process anything that you eat and in turn won't get the nutrients it needs to stay alive. Okay, so now that y'all kind of have a little bit of an understanding if you weren't already familiar, here's my diagnosis story. So, flashback to the first week of August, 2006, little four-year-old Allie, I had a very cute little bobbed haircut, very shy, and very excited to go to my friend's fifth birthday party. We were bouncing around in the bounce houses, like typical four-year-olds do, eating cake and ice cream until our parents had to cut us off. Definitely always been a big ice cream girl over here, just as typical four-year-olds are, and apparently 19-year-olds. And I was just living life large, with the whole world ahead of me just as typical four-year-olds do. But little did I know this would really be my last and only memory of life without type 1 diabetes. So flash forward a little later in that week, my mom took me and my nine-month-year-old brother to the park, and out of nowhere, I fell to the ground in the middle of the street crying out to my mom that my legs hurt. Flash forward a little later in that week, I began drinking copious amounts of water and in turn, going to the bathroom literally all the time, and continuously complaining that now my brain hurt. And during this time, little four-year-old Allie probably lost about eight pounds, even though there was no change in my diet or exercise or anything. So at this point, my parents started to worry. My mom was convinced that my legs hurting was due to a rare form of bone cancer, and the weight loss was just crazy and unexplainable. So on August 8th, 2006... My parents took me to the doctor, and our lives were changed forever. I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and was admitted to the hospital and stayed there for about four days. And I remember all my fingers being wrapped in these little Barbie band-aids. They were very pink, very fashionable. And I remember hiding under the hospital bed whenever I heard the nurse's carts roll down my hall in anticipation of more shots. And when those shots did happen to come to my room... I would have to be pried, and I literally mean like people prying my fingers off of the bedposts. And I would sit in my papa's lap, and the nurses would hold down my arms and legs while I was given my shots. 
And I remember during these times yelling out to my dad, asking him why he was letting these people do this to me. He was always kind of the fixer in our family. He still is. And if something's wrong, he's always going to fix it. So when he couldn't fix this, I remember just being so genuinely confused. Like, hello, I was just at a birthday party earlier this week, and now my parents are letting these crazy people stick me with needles all the time. Like, what the heck is going on here? But we eventually figured it out, and I began to learn. And by the age of five, I pretty much knew the carbohydrate amounts in every given food, or could at least guesstimate almost exactly. And I was giving my own insulin shots. So around this time, my family booked a trip to Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. And oh my goodness, I was so excited. I couldn't wait to tell my family my little secret I figured out in my little five-year-old head. I figured, since Disneyland is the happiest place on earth, there is no way I could have diabetes there. So this vacation would mean a three-day break from shots and finger pricks and guesstimating and worrying. Oh, I was so excited. So we got there, and as soon as we got there, we of course had to get their famous churros. And I swear to this day, Disneyland... Definitely has some sort of secret ingredient in those things because they're literally the yummiest thing ever. But anyways, my mom began to pull out my testing supplies and I look up at her all confident and I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, mom, I'm good. I'm good. We're in Disneyland. I don't have diabetes anymore. At least not right now. And I very quickly learned the hard way that diabetes has no breaks and it would be a constant battle mentally and physically. But... For your information, I did still eat that churro after my shot, and it helped the situation a little bit, so thank you, Disney. But around this time, I also started getting involved with JDRF, the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, and really met some amazing people and saw that there was some hope for the future. So by the time I was seven, I had my first insulin pump. By the time I was nine, I went to Washington, D.C. and spoke to Children's Congress and the Nevada Senators as to why funding for type 1 should continue, and it passed. And then by the age of 14, I earned the Violet Richardson Scholarship and began creating my own nonprofit horse camp, Camp Courage. And at the age of 15, I began motivational speaking as well as taking on mentorships with children with type 1. And then by the age of 17, my nonprofit finally came to life and still stands today. So a lot of people ask me at this point in my life if my type 1 is getting better. And it's kind of a tough question to answer because like, um, hello, it's really just a constant. There's no getting better, right? It's not the flu. It's not a cold. It's not a broken bone. There is no healing. But at the same time, I sometimes wonder what my life would be like without it. Like, yes, type one sucks. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's tough. It's a constant mental and physical battle between you and your body. And yes, with time, it does start to become more of a second nature, but it really doesn't get easier. You just get stronger. And I'm a big believer that God gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. And I decided a long time ago that yes, I may have type one, but type one will never have me. I'm going to continue to live my life and thrive, not just survive, and push myself to show others that their battles can produce perseverance. This is just a bump in the road. So I kind of like to think of it a lot like a fish with fish hooks. Now stay with me here. Because a fish can be swimming around and either acknowledge the fish hooks around him, but not take the bait, or they bite it. So if we're the fish 
We have all these fish hooks around us saying that life is so hard. Maybe my blood sugars really got me down today. I'm awful. I'm tired. I'm hurting. I should quit. Whatever those fish hooks in your life may be. You have the ability to either latch onto them, right? And pull upstream and struggle and have a tough fight. Or you can acknowledge them. You can see them. But resist the urge to feed. And have hope and just keep swimming. You don't have to grab onto those fish hooks. So... I hope that made sense, but that's about all I have for today. And look out for my next podcast because I'm going to take a little different spin on things and do a little fun story time, maybe address college life, and I'm even going to start having some special guest experiences, so stay pumped. And as always, for more information, you can check out my website, typicaltype1.org, or my typicaltype1 Instagram, at typicaltype1. Thank you, and have a great day.